Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From Luminary, this is Karamo, a podcast. Hey friends, welcome to Karamo. I'm your host, Karamo. And on this episode, we are talking about relationships and love. It's something we all want and desire, but when the relationship you are in and the love you are experiencing is being challenged or judged by your friends or family, it can cause serious pain. One type of relationship that is often misunderstood or judged is polyamorous relationships, which means when two or more people are in a committed relationship with each other. Some people believe that this type of relationship is quote unquote disrespectful to the sanctity of marriage and unhealthy. While others say, if it works for them, then I applaud it. So my question is, are polyamorous relationships or marriages healthy relationships to engage in? We all have different feelings on this topic. And so today I'm going to be talking to someone by the name of Kendra, who contacted me on social media, who is in a polyamorous relationship, but is being judged by her family members. Also, I'll be talking to Judge Lynn Toller, who has been a judge on the hit television show Divorce Court for 13 years. And she's going to share her thoughts on polyamorous relationships and the institution of marriage. Plus, we'll be hearing from some of you who called in to share your feelings on this topic, because everyone knows that on my show, everyone's feelings are welcome. So without further ado, let's start talking and growing, friends. So Kendra, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. So can you talk about what polyamorous relationships mean Mm -hmm. for somebody who doesn't understand? Sure. To be polyamorous means that you have multiple meaningful relationships. And when I first heard that, I thought it was a bunch of things that Mm -hmm. maybe to some people it is and to some people it isn't. And that's what's most confusing is that everyone's relationship is a little bit different and it doesn't fall within a box. Now, that's true for monogamous relationships too, but I always like to say it doesn't necessarily mean it's an open relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean that one person can date many people or that it's not serious is really what I like to emphasize because for both of us, we look for meaningful relationships to exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that was a big game changer for me when I started to have relationships that way. So is this your first polyamorous relationship? No. Okay. Um, So I had a partner right before I met Mark, and he told me he was polyamorous, and I said, I don't know what that means. Yeah. And then I Googled it, and lots of weird things came up that I didn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to learn more what this means and what it means for us, and he was patient with me and said, okay, let's date anyway. So... Through that process of dating him, 
I went through, I feel really guilty dating other people. This seems fun, but I don't know. So at the time I was just saying he could date other people. Mm-hmm. And then I have a whole journey with jealousy, right? Yeah. <laughs> what does that really mean? That was the very first thing that made me love being polyamorous before I knew I was. I looked at jealousy as like, this must mean something's wrong with me or with someone else. Mm -hmm. But really, it was masking something else that was wrong. So I'd say I was jealous because my partner went out with someone else. But really, I was upset because they didn't tell me that they had plans that night. And I kind of assumed we were going to have plans. So it all came back to communication. Yeah. Shortly after, I started dating other people. And the very first time I went on a blind date and said, from the get-go, hey, I'm also dating other people. How do you feel? Would you like to continue this date? It changed. Uh, changed me because I thought there would be no one that would say yes, actually. Why would they date me while I was dating other people? Yeah. When they could just find someone else who could just be theirs. Yeah. But then that, it turns out that wasn't the case. And people, for one reason or another, said, okay, I'll try it. But the very next partner that I had that was actually long-term was Mark. Yeah. And I didn't know that about him. He didn't know that about me. It was kind of something that was new in both of our lives. And through that experience, I learned how to be happy with more than one person for more than one reason and Mm -hmm. still feel whole and not feel suddenly like I was pushing someone into a box to be a certain way. I was really appreciating people for who they were. That was another milestone when I was able to be happy for my partners being happy with someone else. Yeah. And that was magical. Well, the core of what I heard even before knowing you were in a polyamorous relationship, all I heard from you is that you were happy. And I think so many people are in relationships that are not defined as polyamorous, Mm -hmm. that are not happy. And so when I heard about your relationship, I was like, this is just two people who are in love and happy and ready to get married and enjoy their life together. Mm -hmm. But they're defining their relationship how they want. Mm -hmm. But also learning how to communicate what's making you happy with other people. So that way in your relationship, you can feel good. But I know that even though you two are at a great space of communicating, that's not the case with everyone. It's causing conflict with other people. So you said when you tell friends, they would be more so curious. Mm -hmm. But now what would happen when you would tell family members? Yeah. So it varied from family member to family member. Some of them were very excited and curious and had the same curious questions. Uh, Some people's responses were, oh, that's cute, but it doesn't work for long. And, you know, get it out of your system kind of thing. Yeah. And then other people were pretty open to it at first, but when they kind of had their time away and time to think about what that really meant, specifically once we were engaged, they sort of became upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. They thought we weren't taking engagement seriously and marriage seriously. And When someone tells you that they don't (laughs) think you're taking your marriage or engagement seriously, how does that make you feel? It's pretty hurtful because I am and we are, and I know that it could look like that to people who I'm not open with. But the people who I talked to specifically in my family were people that I kind of already thought would be a little bit more accepting of it mm-hmm. because there are still people in my family that don't know. Yeah. So that was surprising. I wasn't quite ready for, for that, mm-hmm. but it was in the back of my mind that it could happen. But when you contacted me, something that was very hurtful 
I could tell to you was that you said when you were sending out invitations that people were denying the invitations. Yeah. What were you, what were people saying to you when they were denying the invitations? Yeah, we sent out save the dates and I had someone in my family call me and say she knew I was coming home and she said we need to meet in person. So then I kind of had no idea. I was pretty blindsided. Again, this is someone that I trusted and kind of had an idea of how they'd take it. So uh, I thought we were going to talk about something totally different. And she sat down and said, you know, I love you and I love Mark, but I think marriage means something a little different than I think you do. And she went on to kind of compare us to people who are living in a marriage and also cheating and how in public she'll see them and feel like there's a secret. She also went on to say she would be very angry if she didn't know and was invited to the wedding and then found out later. And she feels that the people who don't know who are coming to the wedding, it's going to be disgraceful to get married in front of them. And so she said she's not coming. Yeah. How did that make you feel when she said that? To be quite honest, I then and now am only hurt that she had that whole conversation by herself. She came to that table with her decision made and didn't include me. She had other conversations with other people for over a year about how she felt about this, ask their opinion, and then came to me with the decision made. Mm -hmm. And I brought that up and she said, well, here's the time that you can have your rebuttal. But there wasn't space for that. I said what I could, but I felt like I was defending something that I didn't need her to come to the wedding. I just wanted to have this kind of conversation. And she had sort of opened it by saying, I know you like to be open in your communication and you want people to tell you if they feel that you're doing something that's hurtful. And so that's what I'm doing. I can't control when people are ready to do that. But it was a little hurtful that she came to that conversation with everything kind of already wrapped up and just kind of presented it to me. Yeah. What would you have liked to have said to her in that moment? I would have liked for there to be room for me to express how happy I am in a way that she would be able to feel it and hear it. Because I know she does love me, but I think in that moment and for this whole decision, uh, she wasn't in the space to see that and to be happy for our happiness. So I would have liked to be able to express that. But what else would you have liked to have said to her in that moment? That I don't think it's fair that for us to have such a deep relationship and for her to believe that, you know, this day and this marriage is so important. I don't think it's fair that she's throwing away the opportunity to be a part of it because of something that she wasn't able to talk to me about. What's going on? I see you getting emotional. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, I've been struggling with moving forward with her. Yeah. Because in my relationship, and now in all of my relationships, I like to see, for instance, the jealousy or whatever and say, okay, what's really going on here? How can I communicate through this problem? And my issue with her was that she wasn't communicating with me, but my response is that I'm not communicating with her. And I don't know how. Yeah. I don't want you to have guilt on yourself right now because part of what you're experiencing right now is this guilt of, 
I know how to communicate in every relationship. I'm doing it with my partner. And here, this is someone who means the world to me and I'm not communicating with them. Is it part of that piece of it? Yeah, absolutely. But I want you to know that first of all, before you can even have that communication, is you have to release that guilt. Mm -hmm. Because you are a very effective communicator. The way that you've explained your relationship and the way that it brings you joy and happiness to me has been very clear and given me the ability to learn things that I haven't learned before. And I think when we have people who are so special to us, so she's not the first person who is close to you, who has said to you, what makes you happy and who you are is wrong. Mm -hmm. Because you've heard that before, right? Yeah. And it was kind of my worst fear realized. Yeah. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. Your life is not in jeopardy, but in a sense, your emotions and your experience and you feeling validated is at jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And when someone attacks that, sometimes we freeze in that moment. It what brings on the guilt of like, I wasn't able to communicate. Yeah. I wasn't able to say what I wanted to say at that moment. I do feel a little bit of responsibility to communicate this well because it was hard for me to understand. And it was hard for me to understand about myself. I know that it's difficult. And the difference is when I express it and explain it to people who are just curious, it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And then when I express it and feel like I have to defend it to people who are judgmental, then it's very difficult. Yeah. Makes sense. But... That's not your responsibility. Yeah. And that's the first thing you have to remember. Because you want to be happy and you are happy and you want other people to understand your happiness. You've sort of taken on the job to make sure that by educating other people, you're guarding your happiness. But what actually you're doing is you're putting stress on your happiness Mm -hmm. by feeling this sort of responsibility that I have to teach you. Mm -hmm. And I think for you, you have to take yourself off the responsibility of feeling like you have to communicate to them. And you say to yourself now, they're on their journey and I'm going to love them as I hope they love me on their journey. Mm -hmm. It was similar to my coming out experience. You know, I'm sharing who I am and who I love. And there's some people who, because of religion, kids, similar things that you're going through, health, they're going to say, I don't get it, it's wrong. Mm And my response has always been, I would love to have a conversation with you. And I would love to help you get educated as you're on your journey. But it's not my responsibility to hold your hand on this journey. Mm -hmm. And you have to release that guilt. What are you thinking about as I'm saying this? Something that, like, I get to this point, right? And then I get a little bit, a little bit mad, a little bit frustrated that I have to be the bigger person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't be ashamed of that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I have to, while I'm hurting, yeah. I have to be the bigger person. That's your subconscious is saying to you, let go of that need to feel responsible yeah. for someone else's lack of ability to educate themselves. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is. But you don't deserve to have anybody disrespect your happiness. And that's just the truth of it. Right. You know, because a lot of times people will talk about this as if it's about you being polyamorous, Mm -hmm. but it's really not. Right. It's about you being happy. Right. And if you love me and if I'm telling you I'm happy and I'm healthy and I'm communicating, 
all of these things are positive things Mm -hmm. that at the core of it, at the base of this emotion is, do you want me to be happy? Right. And if someone can't be on that journey of happiness with you, you have to be able to let that go and say that's theirs. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Yeah, it's easier said than done. But Yeah, I don't even want to pretend. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be like, yeah, just tell everyone, I'm on my journey, you know, go away. But you practice it. Yeah. Say, I respect hearing what you had to say, but my relationship is healthy Mm -hmm. and I am happy. And here are the reasons why I'm happy. And if you'd like to learn more about what makes me happy, I would love to help you and be on that journey. Because at the end of the day, for your wedding, you only want people who are going to be there who are going to love Mm -hmm. you and support you. When you just said your father at that Thanksgiving table was like, oh, you're happy. I get this. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's the person you want in your wedding. Yep. And it's going to hurt when there's other people that are not there. Mm-hmm. But it would hurt in a different way if they were. That's it. I actually have one other question for you, mm-hmm. Go. When people talk about religion and being polyamorous, mm-hmm. how does that make you feel? And what is your response to them? For us and for our marriage what other people's definitions of any of those things are don't come into our day-to-day marriage or our life together. Yeah. And it can be really tricky. It doesn't too often come up, but we just kind of say, this is our marriage and this is who we are and go from there. Yeah. Thank you for sharing again. I appreciate it. Can I have a hug? Yes. I think in a traditional marriage, whether or not it's polyamorous or monogamous is up to those in the marriage, just with any relationship and any marriage period. If it's outside like the boundaries in your relationship, it's outside the boundaries in your relationship, but it's up to the two people in the marriage or in the relationship to decide what fits into their definition. In my opinion, I don't think a traditional marriage could cohabitate with a polyamorous situation because I think it's just too tricky on the trust levels. Um, I know there's statistics saying that uh, polyamorous marriages, I've read, that actually do stay together longer, but I just, I personally don't think it works. Friends, I'm so excited for our next guest. She is an author, an activist, a judge, and the former host of Divorce Court. Please, everyone, give it up for Judge Lynn Toller. Judge Lynn Toller, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? I am doing great. How are you? I am super excited to talk to you because not only am I a fan of Divorce Court, like daytime TV and me signed me up all day long. And so <laughs> <laughs> I would watch you all the time. It was literally my de-stressing, just hearing you talk and solving problems. I'm glad to help. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. But what also is amazing about you is just how accomplished you are and what you do, as I said before, as an activist. And I kind of want to just talk to you about, first of all, you being a black woman who graduated from Harvard University and then also went to University of Pennsylvania Law School and then became a judge, correct? Correct. All that's right. Who inspired you to let you know that 
you could accomplish anything and everything. I kind of have a backward answer to this because according to my parents, I blew it. What? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm failing up ass backwards, as they say. Um, I was raised by parents who told us from the very beginning of life Mm -hmm. that my sister and I were going to be doctors, Mm -hmm. period, end of story. Never considered anything else. And it wasn't about which college I was going to go to. It was which Ivy League college were we going to go to? Mm. That's the kind of parents I had. Now, my parents were both born very, very poor, one in 1919, one in 1930. But my father was a brilliant dude who was a lawyer who he used to work in coal mines, and he just rose up out of that, went to World War II, got the GI Bill, became a lawyer in 1947, and proceeded to move us out into a neighborhood of a bunch of black professionals, which they had to do because blacks couldn't live in nice neighborhoods in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So we didn't want to live in the in the hood. So some black guys bought some land way out and raised their kids there. So it was all about atmosphere, effort, and parents. Mm. And I went to college, fooled around, played, acted a fool at Harvard, and I realized I wasn't going to get into medical school. So I called daddy one day and he said, look, baby, you can do anything you want to. But the minute you stop going to school, I stop paying your bills. OK. I went to law school because I just didn't want to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't lying. It's a terrible story. It's not very inspiring, but it's true. And then I became a lawyer. I was doing that, blah, blah, blah. Then I got married to a guy who had four teenage kids. Parents got mad at me again. <laughs> then I was working hard. I was working at a large law firm. I fooled around, had another son. I got tired. The local judge retired. And I said, you know what? Her office is six blocks from my house. I want that job. <laughs> I was 33 years old. I had absolutely no business. Nobody would endorse me. But I was so tired. I was so committed to the proposition of not working in a law firm anymore that I walked. I was 95 pounds when the race was over because I went door to door that much. And I won Mm. my election by six votes. Wow. Wow. So it wasn't inspiration. It was kind of like desperation. (laughs) (laughs) People don't understand that even for your father to take himself out of coal mining and to become a lawyer even in 2020, is a task and should be really admired. I love when you said that it was all about atmosphere, effort, and parents. Because I think sometimes, you know, we always try to figure out what is the key to success? How can I be greater than my current situation? And a lot of times, it's just easy to simplify it. Take your child, take yourself out of the atmosphere that you're in so that you can be around people who can help you to explore. Give a little bit of effort, even when it's harder, and try to find people who support you. That's really exceptional that you have that in your life. Mm-hmm. And you said you were committed to the idea of changing your life, which I also love, because being pregnant, having stepkids, 
working tirelessly because I have friends who are lawyers, a lot of people can say, you know what, enough is enough. I can't do anymore. Right. And you decided to still walk door to door. After work. After work. After work with the baby in the carriage. And I just want to tell you one more little quick story about that. Yes, please. When I ran for judge, nobody thought I could win, even the guy who put me up to it. And I talked to my husband about it. And he said, you know what, baby, I ain't never entered a race to come in second. So if you want to come in second, you ain't getting no help from me. I said, OK, brother, cool. So we did that. On the day of the election, I was really tired. I was up 15 hours. I came home a half hour before the poll was closed. Nobody was home because everybody else was working another poll. So I was exhausted. And I said, what would my husband want me to do? And he said, he would want me to get in the car, go find a poll that nobody's working and talk to people. I got in the car. I went up the street. Five stragglers came in and I talked to them all. I won by six votes. Wow. What does that say to you? Wow. What does that say? Just that extra effort. Like we said, the atmosphere and the effort. What would my husband do? What would he require Ugh. of me? Had I not asked myself, what would my husband do? I would still be in Cleveland working at a law firm. Yes, your husband might have been a subconscious pebble to remind you to give a bit more. But that was all you. You mustered the strength to get up and do a little bit extra. And that's really what helped you to win that race, giving a little extra, which is what I hear a lot of successful people say. So this is the thing. As an African-American woman, I'm sure that you've come against sexism, racism. How do you deal with that in the positions you're in? You know, it's interesting. In 1963, my sister and I integrated an all-white lower middle class elementary school. So after that, everything was cake. We were just little girls and we got the name calling and you can't go in the pool and you can't do this. And whenever I complained about it, my parents would say, what are your grades? And he said, we're not sending you there to make friends. We're not sending you there to be happy. We're sending you there to get an education. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to hear it. They weren't interested. And I was like, hmm, okay. And after that, everything was easy. It's very interesting that your parents' way of parenting you through something that is hard for most kids and could break their self-esteem was to mask their empathy in the concept of refocusing, to shift your focus. Right. Because that's what I heard. They said, what's your grades? Mm -hmm. And because they could have said, well, tell me more about like the person and tell me more about how they make you feel less than, which I do believe is important to validate kids or people's experience so that they know they are not alone. But there's also something really interesting about helping someone, a kid in this instance, switch the narrative to helping them understand that they have talents and skills that is greater than this moment. That if you focus on what you are there to do, then you do it and be done. You will ultimately excel past this moment. Now, Judge Lynn Toller, you are also very passionate about ending domestic violence. And I know that you sit on the board of bloom365.org, which is a domestic violence organization, correct? Absolutely. What Bloom 365 does is try to stop domestic violence before it starts, as opposed to responding to it once it does. It's an organization designed to go into schools to teach middle schoolers and high schools what healthy relationships look like. So instead of just teaching women how to get out of a bad relationship or what to look for in an abuser, we go in and try to teach people how not to get into an abusive relationship and deeper still teach young boys 
how not to become abusers. Yeah. What is the response when you go into these schools? Are the kids open to it? Are they very lost? What is their response? They are bowled over. We have what we called elephant in the room cards. It's a card that we pass out to everybody. And I said, we got to pass them back. You can write F you on it if you want to, but you got to pass it back. And so we get everybody to participate. We've had people say, I'm in an abusive relationship. I didn't realize it. I didn't know that it was not okay for my boyfriend to pick out my clothes for me. They were already in negative relationships and they had nobody to tell them about it. And they were crying for help, but didn't know what to do. And when we get those cards, we put your phone number on it if you want help. But you see how early the problem starts. And they are so tremendously grateful for the spotlight Mm. to know that, oh, man, I don't have to put up with this. Yeah. You know, know, most people, when they think of domestic violence, they think of just someone getting hit and they don't realize there's emotional and mental abuse that people endure in relationships as well. And they think because it's a pattern that, oh, this is normal. You know what I mean? Like you just said, exactly. it's not normal for your partner to be telling you what to wear. No, It's one thing if you say, hey, do you like this outfit? But there's another thing for saying, this is how you must dress. That's the pattern of abuse. And I think that's extraordinary that you're giving people the information. If someone is listening to this and they want to evaluate if their relationship is healthy or unhealthy, if their marriage is healthy or unhealthy, what are some things that you could say to them to sort of think about? Think about your sense of esteem. What Mm -hmm. does your partner do to it? Does he or she make you feel better or worse about yourself? Are you feeling good about who you are when you're in your house Or are you feeling better about who you are when you're outside of the house? Is there isolation? Do they keep you from other people? Is there constant criticism? You don't ever do anything right. Do they error hoard? In other words, they always have a list of the sins that you have committed and that they never get off the list. So all of those things, when you meet a guy, he meets you on Monday can't do without you on Wednesday. You got a problem on Thursday Mm. because possessiveness Mm. and unusual possessiveness and speed. I got to know where you are every day. It sounds romantic in the beginning, but it's a sign of insecurity and being abused has nothing to do with your value. It has to do with the abuser's insecurities. Mm. So if you can step away from hearing what he or she is saying about you to look at how that person is experiencing you, you can find that you are in an abusive relationship or are in a relationship that is turning abusive by understanding those underlying red flags and warning signs and extricating yourself from the situation sooner rather than later. That's big right there. Checking to see if the relationship is turning abusive. Right. Because people, again, don't realize that just because it started off year one and two cute, doesn't mean that by the end of year three or four that those negative patterns have started to arise. And I think that's really good just to be like, you got to check yourself because people start to say, oh, well, this is just normal. This is how we interact. And it's like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Yeah. Even when it becomes the first blow or the first push or the first anything like that, there's always an apology. And then there's a honeymoon period. And then there's a rise in tension. That's the cyclical thing about it. And so it's like, well, it was just the one time. Yeah. But if you see the cycle happen, it'll start happening more and more frequently. And by the time you look up and are being 
systemically abused, you've lost your self-esteem. So it makes it that much more difficult to extricate yourself from the situation. Yes. So now, as I shared with you earlier, we're actually talking about relationships. I had someone who called in by the name of Kendra before you had got on, who is in a polyamorous marriage and has been judged by a lot of people in her life. You know, you are on divorce court, so you saw people walk in every single day, day in and day out for 13 years. Can marriages be polyamorous? I think we humans can manage to do anything we put our minds to as long as we understand the emotional underpinnings of everything we do do. Mm. We are naturally jealous creatures. Therefore, you have to make sure that you have the sense of esteem and also the open communication that allows that circumstance to exist. I think polyamory is very difficult for a number of reasons. One, because Whenever you are engaged in a lifestyle that is inconsistent with the norm, you're going to get pressure. And obviously that's what they're getting. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is you have jealousies and it's hard enough. I don't know what nature of a relationship you're in, but it's hard enough to get along with one person. Listen, you know, listen, you're preaching. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? It is work, his needs, his wants, his this, his that, your needs, your wants. And to do that and multiply that, plus to multiply the jealousies, that's difficult. But if everybody's emotionally intelligent and relatively mature, you can manage it. We humans are amazing. If we put our mind and hearts to something, we can get stuff done. But when you decide, my mother didn't want me to marry my husband because he had four kids. Mm -hmm. And I can understand that. Yeah, You know, I wouldn't want my son to marry somebody with four kids. I get that part. I said, but when you decide that you've grown enough to make a decision to join your life with somebody else's, you got to be strong in your convictions and people got to know, look, this is my decision. This is what I made. Now, y'all may not like it. Y'all can talk about me all you want to while you're not with me. But if you want me to continue to engage with you, y'all got to accept my decision for what it is. That is the truth. That is the truth. When it comes to the law, are polyamorous relationships legal? Like when it comes to marriage? Not here. Not in the U.S. No. No. And when you think about marriage legally, it is a contractual arrangement that the state acknowledges. It affords you some rights and responsibilities as a function of you being in that status. When you're in a polyamorous relationship, if you're not legally married to somebody, like for instance, You're in a relationship and you're not married and that person gets sick and there is a decision as to what to do with them. They're unconscious or whatever, end of life, all of that. You're a legal stranger to them. Mm. So mom that you haven't seen in 20 years can come in and make a decision. You don't have any rights. So the rights of automatically inheriting and making decisions and co-ownership, all of that is the legal part. So you just have to examine what legalities afford you when you marry and try to take care of that in another way, like appoint somebody as your medical power of attorney, Yeah. even though automatically you are as a wife or a husband. But you can get around it and get afforded most of those legal rights by thinking and doing proactively. 
something you said, which I think it should be heard again, is you're a legal stranger. Because I don't think people understand the law in that way, but that was such a simple way of putting it. Yep. You're a stranger to the law. So I don't yep. care if y'all been together for 20 years, 30 years. I don't care of how you define your relationship, but you are a legal stranger. Right. Which is, that's very clear. Yeah. So do you think that, you know, marriage is an outdated institution? Huh. That's a very interesting question. Marriage in the way that we practice it now is it has not been around very long. If you go through the history of marriage systems, they always shift. So I don't think marriage is outdated. I think the manner in which we do it is shifting. Mm-hmm. It used to be where you could have four or five wives, certain cultures. Nobody ever married for love, not in just uh, Muslim places, but all over England, everything. It was like your parents decided who you were going to marry. So Mm -hmm. I think marriage will always shift and it will always change. But I think there will always have a function in society because it does a couple of things. It attaches the male to the children. Mm -hmm. It gives a sense of safety to a partner that is home staying with children. And it also defines your relationship not only to each other, but as I said, to the legal system, to the world. And it affords you benefits. We just going to have to shift with our thinking because marriage will always change. Yeah. And you brought up that your mom didn't want you to get married to your husband because he had kids. Right. And many people have relationships that they define and that they love and that is important to them that people have conflicts with. What advice would you give to them of having discussions with people in their lives who object to their relationships? You know, you have to be sure of yourself. Because when my mother said, don't do it, I had been under her tutelage for 27 years. Mm. And had I not been confident in my decision, It would have caused a breach in our relationship. They called me. They told me about this, that, and the other thing, the problems, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what, Mom and Dad? I appreciate your concern. I respect your opinion. I know what you're telling me. And then I repeated to them all of the concerns that they had, that I saw them, that I had assessed them, and I was willing to accept them. And I said, I love them, and I hope you can come on board. The moment I got married they came on board because the destination was still the same. Mm -hmm. The destination was Lynn get to happy. Now, if I have boarded this brother's boat to get to happy, it was their job to help that boat along. Mm. So Mm. they supported the marriage once I was in it because that was the particular vehicle I took towards the happy I was trying to get to. Mm. That is beautiful advice. And Judge Lynn Toller, on that note, I want to say thank you because Through everything you have done in your career, in your life, you have inspired people to get to their happy as well. So as a fan and as someone who now will always and continue to support you and cheer you on from afar, thank you so much for all you do. And thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I had a ball. Traditional marriage by definition, can't be polyamorous. Uh, But I think that we need to get rid of the idea of a traditional marriage. Not everyone's the same, and not everyone has the same kind of um, beliefs, and I don't think everybody loves the same. So, no, I don't think a traditional marriage can be polyamorous, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think we need to move forward in our way of thinking of that. That's something that needs to be discussed between 
the man and the wife, or you know, if you don't get married, if you have a relationship, that's something that is between those two people, or three or four people, whoever is involved. You know what I mean? But it's it's yeah. I mean, as far as traditional marriages go, that I mean by definition, no. But I don't think that that's how we should look at it anymore. I want to thank Kedra for coming on the show today and sharing her story. I want to thank everyone who called in and shared their feelings. And lastly, I want to give big thanks to Judge Lynn Toller for coming on the show and sharing details about her life, but also educating all of us on what she believes a healthy relationship needs in order to survive in real life, but also within the parameters of the legal system. Listen, friends, what I know to be true is that if you are happy and in a relationship where everyone involved, whether that's two people or four, are communicating honestly, respecting each other's feelings, and are working towards a common and healthy goal, then good for you because you're in a healthy relationship and who am I to judge it? What we all have to remember is that just because someone's relationship does not match our definition of what a relationship should look like doesn't mean we have the right to unconsciously or consciously try to destroy their happiness or love. If there's no abuse or neglect prevalent in a relationship, then we should trust that the people we love are making the best decision for their life. And if you can't respect that or reconcile your feelings, just be prepared to be okay with new boundaries being set that may involve you losing someone you love because you have a limited point of view of what constitutes as a loving relationship. Friends, as always, thank you for listening and growing with me. Make sure to hit me up on Instagram and Twitter at Karamo to let me know your feelings about today's episode. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Karamo, a podcast, is an entertainment show. For advice or support on any emotional or mental challenges, please contact a licensed professional in your town. This show was produced by Karamo, Nick Pinella of Workhouse Media, and assisted by Ellie Charles. All music composed by Ernie Wooden and the Big Woozy Band, and all episodes are edited by Nathan Moody. Thank you for listening and growing with us. Hey, friends! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.